everybody, welcome to Piece of Perspective podcast without Ryan. Number I four, mean, yeah, yeah, number four forty seven. Being recorded April twenty sixth, twenty seventeen. I'm Alan Malmatano. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Mari Tattleman. And I'm Ken Addison. And I will forgive Alex for not following the rule of seniority. Yeah. I was here before Maury. Yeah, well. Just want to put that one out there. No, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. You were an, you were an I'll be the bigger Ken, man. So I mean, I mean, look, then technically. <laughs> I, I mean, if you cut Maury in half, he would have more rings in him than you would. <sighs> And yeah, technically, sure. technically, so, Jeremy should have been first, and I'd be somewhere in the middle. And yeah, 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 yeah. Fair. all right. Uh, so hey, we record this thing uh, once a week, every Wednesday night. Sometimes Ryan's here, sometimes Ryan's not. A little less often than normal, <laughs> but you know, we hold it down. Uh, this time, Ryan and Josh are not here, even though they both live in two separate places. They are now in the same place. But more on that. In a couple minutes. So if you hear they, any they news may be stories, encountering a real kebab for the very first time. Yeah, yeah, it's, might, might be by a, a guy that's ninety percent hair and doesn't speak a word of English, but can perfectly understand drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds ideal. All right. Uh, yeah, pcpro.com slash subscribe is where you can put a give us a name and an email, and we will send you a friendly reminder for when we're about to start either this podcast or any other stream live stream that we happen to be doing. During the week, um, pcpro.com or patreon.com slash pcpro is where you can. Hey, we broke 401, wasn't it? We were trying to get to 400. Yeah. Last, uh, last week. Good we, job, us. We managed, we managed to make it. Um, yeah, patreon.com slash pcpro is where you can help us, uh, pretty much, uh, keep the lights on, pay the rent, uh, you know, stuff. Bring you the amazing and awesome content that we strive to do on a continuous basis. Um, all right. Uh, next Ooh. up, the PC Perspective Meetup, which Ryan has begged, implored, etc. Me to uh, remind I all think of you. Your audio just fun. Whose audio? Hi. What just happened? Hello. 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 Can Jeremy? anyone hear me? Jeremy. Jeremy. I don't think he's sitting that still. <sighs> Canadian oh, no. <laughs> There we go. Yeah. What was that? That was apparently UDP getting upset at me for some reason. Oh. Which okay. is weird because UDP isn't supposed to. It usually doesn't care. All right. It, it's well. not supposed to. Well, well, just luckily let, that was a pretty good cut spot. Yeah, so we'll just yeah. start at the laptop and we're good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you need to switch back to the? Oh, okay, all right. Um, so PC Perspective Meetup in London, sponsored by Arm, where you can possibly win a free Chromebook. That, folks, London. It happens to be where Ryan and Josh are currently, and uh, tomorrow or probably today, if you're listening to this. During the usual time it goes up. Uh, or right now. Or right now. Maybe maybe as you're listening to this. Uh, like, so, it's it's tomorrow there right now. Yeah. So. Oh, wait. Oh, crap. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so later about tonight, it. Alan. Yeah, so later tonight in London. Oh, wait. Okay, so what time is it there right now? Like 3.30 like, in the morning? Yeah, it's like 3.30 Well, so 7.30 p.m. over there time Yeah. is when you will find 
uh, Ryan and Josh sitting in a dimly lit booth at the momentous bar inside the Cumberland Hotel, located in Great Cumberland Place, London. All right. Um, well, look at this Chromebook contest. There are only 2,200 entries. You got a, got a great chance. You should just enter it. Yeah. Do you get even a better chance if you go to the thing? Is that what happens? No. Or what is- you get to play with them, though. Ryan's oh, oh. bringing them, so you oh. get to play with them and right. check them out. So you get to play with them before the winners get them. Yeah. You could... I don't know that's what you could sort do. Of, that's sort of like as if you won yeah. the contest. You could pretend you won the Briefly, contest. Briefly, for, for just a moment. You can take or, a selfie with the laptop. and then, Or you could enter the contest and then maybe actually win it. Yeah, maybe actually leave with the laptop. Wouldn't that be cool? Do you really want it after, after Josh has already played with the duel? Um, I mean... For the collector's value? Yeah. 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 We get him to sign it. Yeah, I'm not going to say what? what. I'm not going to say what media he will use to sign it with, but DNA pen. Yeah, exactly. Pen fifteen. <sighs> All right. I mean. um, so we'll see how uh, how that goes with uh, Ryan and Josh tomorrow. I'm sure we'll hear. Let, let, let's and... let's let's place a bet. Okay. Over or under ten people. That's tough because there were an awful lot of people complaining that it was far away for them where they lived like two or three hours it away. It is a Thursday. So, I mean, like, yeah, you've got yeah. work the next day. That yeah, is true. You've got to travel three hours, right? That is true. I'm going over. I'm going over 10. Think it's going to be over 10? I think, uh, I think it'd be over 10. I'm not sure how much. Well, you're also underestimating the drinking culture of the UK where they're exactly. quite happy to travel three hours to drink for six and then just wake up and go to work. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, hey, let's uh, let's get into it. We can review. So, Alan. Uh, yeah, Ken. I hear there's some storage news this week. <laughs> Actually, no, there's no storage news this week. Oh, thank God. There's all right. Uh, so, power supplies. There's let's storage. Look at power supplies. No, no, no. There's storage reviews oh. this week. Not news. Reviews. Mm. We had the news on this probably seven, eight, nine, maybe 12, 15 oh, you mean times. Oh, Octane launch. Yeah, Octane For the news. third time. Yeah, exactly. Um, except this time, uh, actual, um, you know, review content on it. Starting off with uh, the Intel Optane SSD DC P4800X 375 gigabyte SSD. So that's 375 gigabytes of Crosspoint installed into a thing that resembles like a P3700 or any of those half-height, half-length slash U.2 data center style SSDs we've reviewed in the past. Come on, don't be shy. Show it off for the camera. I can't show it to you because we didn't have this here. That doesn't sound like a review, Alan. No reviewers had this product. Um, We got to go look at it in person. (laughs) They took myself and a couple of other of my esteemed colleagues back to the like other end of the campus in the back lab in the back corner and actually showed us the systems that we were going to remote into. But the point of it was uh, Intel is being like super close to the chest on this whole cross point thing until the last possible second. And this was part of that. So at some point in the future, we might actually have a sample to mess around with and play with. But, That'd be um, nice. That would be nice. Uh, however, um, they, I, I will, I will give Intel credit. They did the best that they could given like, they were just like, look, we can't sample this to you yet. They so, can't sample it to you, but they let you remotely access a server with one in it exclusively for a couple of weeks. Yeah. For actually it's almost like they could have overnighted it. Too. Well, yeah, I think the issue was 
the items leaving the campus. I think that was what the issue actually was yet. Like, yeah, like that they're not allowed to leave the campus yet. There's even other companies testing their database stuff and doing development stuff, and they're all doing it remotely. Like the lab we went into, they had other machines there, and those guys are like there were other Optane SSDs in other in other machines. So, so was it out? Uh, was what out? Is the product out? Can someone buy this? Um, no. I don't know if it's volume shipment yet, but it's like it's it's been launched, but it's like any other launch, like where and, you know they say it's launched, but you know yet another Optane launch where you can't. Well, happy a lot. Not out. I mean. It was a thing that had a final-ish firmware on it and was they basically just gave me free reign to do whatever the heck I wanted to do with that thing in that server. Like, just run whatever test you want. Like, it's, you know, have fun. If something goes sideways, well, let us know. That can't be true. You would have taken it apart with a screwdriver. Well, <laughs> That's you know, a little difficult to do remotely. Yeah, my screwdriver, my <laughs> iFixit kit uh, extension does not go that far. Um, Damn it. So anyhow, so... Cross points, right? Cross point that we can actually test and see what the latency actually looks like after all of the hype train two year long, you know, yeah, crazy hype train, right? Um, so just specs, all the specs that we actually have been talking about for uh, at least three or four weeks now because there was a leak. Actually, it was four or five weeks ago. There was a leak on the spec sheet for the P4800X. And we talked about all the specs there, and guess what? The specs are all the same as they were on the spec sheet that was the leaked spec sheet. Okay, so you're talking 550,000 random read IOPS, 500,000 random write IOPS. Um, your typical latency is quoted as less than 10 microseconds. Compare that to any other type of SSD where latencies typically run about 100 or more. Um, so that's kind of significant. Like cut your latency down to one-tenth of what it was before. Um, they did not put sequentials in their released official specs, but it's in re- reality, it's like two, around two gig per second. This is a PCIe 3.0 by four SSD. It should be going higher than two gig per second, but that really boils down to just the controller can only do things so fast. So in order to meet, in order, in order to make the latency so low, they couldn't make the controller uh, additionally complicated so that it could just like reach the you know saturation of of all the things kind of speeds they were go, they were going for let's get the latencies really low at all costs and keep the iops really high relatively um like you might do for an enterprise part well an enterprise part specifically tailored to be a low latency thing not just like a mass storage thing right um so to walk through this guy, I guess we could just go to like that 4K random page, um, third page in. So first chart, uh, we're basically just looking at uh, one line for each Q depth. And you might notice there's only five lines on that chart, which means that you have Q depth one, two, four, and eight. And then anything higher than eight, it's just saturated, um, which is pretty phenomenal considering NVMe parts typically don't saturate until you get all the way to Q depth 256. So that's pretty amazing right there. Um, uh, uh, the next chart down, I compared the first three rungs of Q-Depth for the Optane part, which is in blue on that chart right there. Compared them against the P3700, which is Intel's fastest NAND flash SSD, and uh, the Micron 9100 Max, 
which is Micron's fastest NAND flash SSD. And so that's Q-Depth 1, 2, and 4 for those three parts. And if you notice, Optane at Q-Depth 1 is pretty much walking all over the other parts at even Q-Depths up to 4 for almost the entire span of, of you know, the performance results there. So it basically is just making fun of the, of the flash stuff. Um, right, we can do one more chart on this page. Next one down. And that's just uh, showing the Q-Depths all the way up to 256. And you'll notice that the Optane part basically just ramps up rather quickly, levels off at Q-Depth 16, and then just continues to just basically everything flatlines after that. Um, the 9100 Max manages to pass it, but it has to get up to Q-Depth 128 to do so. Um, yeah. So not many enterprise that's workloads. not going to be easy to do. No, not many enterprise workloads will will be able to push an SSD into a Q-Depth that's that high. Um, really. Um, so that page kind of makes the point on the random stuff. Um, next page, quality of service, we could talk about for a minute. Uh, so quality of service, when you look at, and this is like the same argument goes for latency percentile, quality of service, all that stuff. You want these lines to be as vertical as possible and as far to the left as possible. First of all, I had to add a decade to the axis of this chart. Otherwise, the lines would have run off the chart to the left compared to the way that we have normally presented these charts in the past. So basically, yeah, it's really dang fast. Uh, second part, it's super, super consistent. Those lines are almost vertical. Those are going through the various numbers of you know nines, various uh, higher and higher percentages of consistency requirements. So it uh, looks pretty dang good. Um, Next chart down, there's only one number to look at on that one, and that is if you look at the 50% uh, the second column over from the left, 50 percentile, Q-depth 1, it, it is averaging 9.7 microseconds uh, latency on random rates. So, And it also did that, um, I didn't put 70-30 results in here, but it also was less than 10 microseconds for 70-30 uh, mix. When you do random writes, it creeps a little bit higher than 10, but it was good enough for me to consider that, yeah, Intel is meeting their spec where they claimed that it was, you know, typical is uh, less than 10 microseconds. So it did it for us. Um, One more chart on this one. Go to the next one down. Ken, so there's your first three rungs again. Uh, Q-depth one, two, and four showing quality of service of, you know, Optane in blue, and then the other two SSDs in green and gold, same as before. Yeah, it's just, it's one full decade across to the left. So, you, you know, the NAND flash stuff is running in on the order of 100 microseconds. Optane's running on the order of 10. Pretty significant, right? Um, you know, you're just, you're basically just cutting things down. Um, uh, making, you know, significantly lower latency to do, do pretty much anything you want this SSD to do. Um, should we go through the bridging the gap, I guess? Yeah, we probably should. Yeah, we should probably talk about that. So on the next page, um, Intel had this slide that was uh, just trying to demonstrate uh, just about numbers where Optane sits in the whole landscape of hard drives all the way to like, you know, the cache on side of a processor for example, and uh, I thought the numbers were kind of like, yeah, they're numbers, and that's all good and nice. Let's let's uh, use our latency percentile thing 
and uh, you know, to our advantage here, and actually plot some stuff out. So I blew the dust off the floppy drive, blew the dust off the zip drive. You didn't feel good just estimating the latency of a floppy drive. No, you I had wanted to the, measure it. I wanted the actual, and you can even see that there are steps in the floppy drive's <laughs> chart there because the floppy drive seek time just happened to to three and a half inch or five and a quarter. Three, three and a half. You didn't do your due diligence. <laughs> I don't have a five and a quarter, actually. Um, For shame. Yeah, all sorry. Right. So uh, all those things on the right side of that chart there are all, like, starting with floppy all the way at the far right. And then I'm going to a Velociraptor at the left edge of that cluster on the right side there. And you'll notice uh, that your DRAM is the, the bright blue line on the left edge there. Pretty big gap of, uh, of latency between those things. So, you know, before you had SSDs in your system... It's 100,000 times the latency between your DRAM access time and your uh, hard drive access time. Pretty, uh, pretty nasty. So then you go down to the next one, and we can add in SSDs. So they started like where that dashed gray line started. That's like where the early SSDs started out. As far as latencies, that gave you like about 100x or 10x improvement over hard drives. And then you got another 10x on top of that just as all that technology matured. And you kind of got to where we are today uh, in the you know 100 microsecond range compared to like 10 millisecond range for uh, hard drive access time. Next chart down is where this Optane memory uh, or this uh, P4800X falls into place, which is yet another 10x improvement over the NAND stuff. And you'll notice that there's only one more 10x improvement left before you've hit DRAM speeds. Um. And then I, I snuck in one more chart, which was a the fastest RAM disk software I could find, which almost gets you that extra 10x in between those two. Mm. Yeah, it's not perfect. Yeah, I mean it was, it was running like two. It was running like 2.5 microseconds yeah. to one microsecond. But you know, it just gives you an idea of like that's about as fast as like Windows can handle a storage thing via the typical ways to talk to a storage thing. So. Uh, to get much faster than that, you pretty much have to start, you know, making serious optimizations to Windows and just the way that thing, the way that these things work. Um, now, where, where does high does high bandwidth memory fit into this? HBM two. HBM two was probably going to have latencies that are because the the benefit of HBM is the throughput more than the latency, right? Uh, mm. I don't. I'm furiously googling. Googling. I think it has a significant latency improvement too. Yeah, it's both. Well, because uh, what, it what also I depends used... on the implementation because it's not just it's not just the HBM. It's got to talk, and well, we know yeah. what limitations those have. Because I know that HBM gives you a very wide bus, mm-hmm. right? But I don't know that that necessarily means that it's uh, able to, you know, select a row an address like select a row in a column, you know, any, any faster necessarily. Um, you know, the, um, the way that I figured out what the DRAM latency is on that bridging the gap chart is to take like, I think it was like a Skylake CPU specs and figured out how many clocks the CPU side requires to actually handle like talking to DRAM. And then, um, I think I used something like 51 nanoseconds is like your typical DRAM access time, actual like CAS. If you figure out all the typical latencies of 
like DRAM in general, right? So I basically was adding some CPU time and some actual DRAM time. And I don't know that I don't know that HBM would necessarily be so much faster. Um, and again, we always see an HBM talking to other things, not directly to a CPU, right? So not necessarily an apples to apples, um, you know, comparison there. Yeah. Um, one uh, other point worth bringing up is that uh, we did this testing in a different way that we normally do testing. And that is because uh, of IRQs. Know what IRQs are? Yes, Alan. I know what IRQs, you know what IRQs are. is. Oh. They're what made my sound blaster not work. I did That's never true. have That's to true. do. I did never have to <laughs> assign IRQs. But yes, and oh, IRQs. you did you never lucky, have to. Lucky no. You kid. never felt that pain. I never felt that pain. Oh, I know, oh, dear boy. You can just boys. take away my nerd card, dear I'm boy. <laughs> All right, but. So, um, well, it's okay. I've never 3D printed anything yet, so you got me on that. <laughs> well, here's what happens in a system today. When you ask an, an SSD or a hard drive or whatever for a piece of information, right, uh, the operating system, you know, handles that request from your program that's trying to get the information, right, and then it passes it along. And if it's not ready immediately, which it's not going to be, right, uh, that command gets queued, which comes into the whole QDEF thing that we always talk about, right? Um, but... The CPU doesn't just sit there and like stalled while the thing is getting the information because it's, you know, it's Windows, multi-threaded. You can do other things with your CPU. It would be really crappy if you're, you know, especially in the old days where you had like one or two CPUs in your system. If you tried to read something from your hard drive, you know, and like everything just like pegged at 100% while you were trying to read a file, that would be crappy. Uh, Some of you folks might actually be familiar with Occasions where you did peg your CPU out of the blue trying to read stuff from your hard drive, and that's because something went fl- sideways with your, uh, with your hard drive controller or your hard drive or your like, uh, IDE cable or something was a little flaky, and Windows reverted back into what was called PIO mode, which is programmed I.O., oh, which, yeah. by the way, is polling. Yep. Funny story. So uh, in, in programmed I.O. mode, you actually would have had slightly faster response times in those systems if your cpu could handle it if your cpu was going fast enough right uh your cpu wouldn't be doing anything else your cpu wouldn't be doing anything else fast at all because it was pegged waiting on the storage right um all right so to avoid all that stuff things started using dma dma is direct memory access so basically it says all right storage thing i want this sector go get me this sector Tell me when you've got it, right? So then the hard drive, hard drive controller, all that stuff would send the information directly to memory. And then once it was there, it would initiate an interrupt request, get the CPU's attention, say, hey, I got your stuff. It's, in the, it's over here at this address, right? So that takes time. That process of getting the CPU's attention, it has to like do a context switch. It has to switch over and all this other stuff has to happen. And then it completes the request. On a Windows system, Today, modern Windows system, that takes about four or five microseconds. That's a significant portion of... Ten microseconds. Yes. Yeah. It's like 50% more. Yeah. No, that, that yeah. works out. Yeah. Now, you didn't notice, even for like a NAND SSD, you didn't really notice this that much because 100 microseconds, what's another four or five? Right? True, true. Especially since you don't want the CPU just spinning at 100% during the 100 microseconds. Like, that'd be kind of silly, right? Um, however... 
The challenge today is that when things are going this quickly, we need to figure out a better way, right? You don't want to use. Got to be a better. There's got to be a better way. You don't want to use uh, the DMA thing or the typical queuing thing that was used before because now the latency is significant compared to how fast the thing is that you're talking to. Um, but if you do polling, which we did in this review, which actually did peg CPUs while it didn't peg all of the CPUs, but as many threads as we had accessing the storage ended up being a pegged thread, basically, as far as like your CPU usage. Now, I was doing that to emulate the end game, which is presumably there would be some form of like a hybrid polling method where you don't necessarily run the CPU at 100% all the time. You tune a driver so that you know, like this thing responds in 10 microseconds. All right, we'll have the we'll have the driver just kind of pause for like nine microseconds. And then for that last microsecond, we'll we'll constantly ask. We will pull the device to see if it's done, right? Something like that. So to kind of, you know, envision where uh, the, the end game of what the driver would probably look like for this thing, since we were just testing it with a standard Windows driver, um, that's the kind of testing we did. And I, I did testing both ways. Um, and I actually have a QoS chart that Ken is showing right there which shows what the latencies looked like with polling on versus using the interrupt request method. And then the next chart down shows the actual latency. And if you look at the first 50% bin there, it is exactly 15 microseconds for a read request. So we went from like 9.7 to 15.0. Uh, and all of that is just the amount of time it takes for like the Windows kernel, the CPU context switch, all that stuff all those gears to, to, you know, to move and, uh, you know, complete the IO in the old way. So challenges that we face with, you know, a new, it's too fast. It's too, yeah, this is too fast. It also caused me to, I think, uh, let's just say that every latency related bug in my testing which might have only added a microsecond or two here or there and, you know, would have never been noticed on any other thing we've tested with that suite in the past. Uh, yeah, every, every one of those bugs was squashed. And uh, now, uh, thanks to this thing, uh, my code is optimized as heck. <laughs> anyway. All right. Um, I'm cutting you off. Yeah, so uh, 1520 bucks for 375 gig. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Don't buy this thing unless you have a workload that absolutely needs it in your server. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you but have if you 1500 listen carefully, Ryan just woke up screaming in the UK. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had a nightmare where SSDs were just not priced right. It's, it's four dollars a gig. It's, it's, it seems like a lot of money. Yep. X25M cost me like seven or eight dollars a gig when I bought that, though. So, um, mm. yeah, you know, it's a bit different world than the X25M. It is. It is. It, but this is the, simpler days. This is the first major thing to come out that is using a brand new type of storage technology. Yeah. So it seems in that context, it seems kind of like a bargain. Is it a disservice? Like is calling this an SSD, which it is. It's a solid state. It is drive. a solid state drive. Yes. Should they have come up with a different term? Maybe. No, SSD is the blanket term. Oh. It's just that and I've had to start qualifying how I'm writing about these things because NAND SSD is like yeah. it's NAND flash or just an SSD with flash in it or something. 
This new one. I mean, we're already SSD. like it's a PCIe NAND flash, or it's an M dot. It's, it's a PCIe NVMe. NAND NVMe yeah, SSD. Like, I know, I know. Yeah, it's already getting ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Could have called it something different. Yeah, well, you mean like Optane? This is Bob. No. Well, I mean, they're already calling it Optane. Optane's in the name. It's one of the many titles yeah. associated with this the thing. Intel Optane SSD DCP forty eight hundred X. Yeah. That's a bad name. Yeah, V2. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. They had to sneak the X in there, even though they've never put an X in any of their other storage product names, just because it's Crosspoint. It's like 20 years from now, that'll be like the sequel to P90X workout routine, right? Oh, God. No. No. <laughs> it'll, be the one that the, that, it'll be the one that the androids have to do to work out to, to buff up, right? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Yeah. You know what's not like an Optane SSD DCP 4800X? <laughs> what? This power supply. A PSU Onyx? Yeah. Uh, I bet it could power that uh, that SSD. But I no. bet it could. Yeah. Huh? Uh, who did this one? Lee? Of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. And, and honestly, I mean, scroll down just a little bit. I like the look of the back end of this power supply. It It's... Compact. I'm used to seeing them spread out all the way across. Right? Yeah. For the modulars. This yes. one, they just sort of stuck it all in, which makes sense from an electronic point of view as well. You know, you're not spreading everything out. You're running it straight through. So it's going to annoy a lot of people because it's square, it's black, and it's plain. But hey. Sometimes that's really exactly what you want. Exactly. I don't want my power I mean, supply to stick it open. Out. I mean, when he cracks it open, uh, it's it's a kind of a hash of uh, capacitors. I mean, a lot of it is good stuff like Chemicon or Rubicon, but y- you got some Tipo and other stuff in there as well. But the layout, because of the way that they sort of decided to do it, it's it's open. Like, that fan is going to be able to move a lot of air through there without a lot of turbulence. It, it kind of makes sense to me. All right. And I mean, hey, who doesn't like staring at the inside of a PSU? I, t- I always love staring inside of PSUs, especially when they're on it. Yeah, oh, Ken likes sticking absolutely. his fingers in fans. Yeah. Who needs RGB when you got uh, sparks? And but, blood. Uh, he, he did his usual brilliant uh, torture test of the thing, and it came out extremely well, uh, except. And it's not awful. It's just the, the single 12-volt design, it wobbled a bit. It was still fully within ATX specs, but it 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 wobbled a bit more than we've been seeing some of the other ones. Ripple, On the other ripple. hand, rippled, wobbled, wibbled, timey-wimey type stuff. <laughs> uh, but 650 bucks. Sir, 650 watts for 65 Whoa. bucks. Okay. That's, that's much better. Bucks. You know, <laughs> it's this, 10 cents uh, a watt. <laughs> It's oh, 10 we, cents a watt. Are we rating <laughs> this way now? <laughs> Ryan, quick, call Ryan. Oh, We've hit 10 cents no. a thing. Yeah, well, it's Ryan watts. But I mean, gigabytes. if you're not looking to blow, if you're not looking to blow 100 bucks on a 650 watt power supply, which most people when they're doing a 650 really aren't, yeah. unless they need the LEDs and everything fancy, it's just, it's a nice standard PSU that's going to do everything you want it to. And with a three-year warranty, if it's going to go bad quickly, you're covered. If it's going to go bad over time, chances are it won't be three years. It'll be 
significantly longer. So overall, you know, it's it seemed to be like a decent value priced PSU that doesn't really cut back on a lot apart from aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this is in the bunch of power supplies that Lee dropped off at the office because he was tired of storing. So I think it'll hey. probably get some use here pretty soon. I'll put it up to no good. I think Lee got a much uh, more space efficient end of the deal than uh, Sebastian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Power supplies. Well, Sebastian's a got a lot of empty cases. You can just slide them in the cases in Sebastian. Mm, those, true. Those, those power supplies he brought, were they in boxes or were they just like all thrown into a box? <laughs> They're in boxes. Lee oh. is very particular about repackaging his products. Oh, wow. I appreciate that. That's they, impressive. And when you open them up, they're like new. Oh, with all the cables and stuff associated oh, yeah. with the phone. We should keep those the way they are just so that we know where the cable is. Because we have like a shelf with a bag, <laughs> like with bags of power supply cables. They're semi-labeled. The kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, they're not. They've got gaffer's tape labels on them. Yeah, with like PSU. No. No, no, they no, they're no. they're like uh silver silver sharpie on gaff tape. Uh it's just like the silver sharpie is actually some semblance of what the name of the power supply is, but you know, not the best, not the best system. Then you have I'll to find the power supply and hope it's actually named like with a name <laughs> on it that it matches what's on the yeah. Anyway. <laughs> that was my dilemma. Um All right, moving on to another thing that a power supply can power. Uh EVGA GeForce GTX 1080 Ti SC2 with ICX, ICX technology, and you thought that Optane thing was a mouthful. Um, it's got speed holes. It's got it's got speed holes. Uh, is that what the ICX technology is supposed to be this no, time? No, ICX is EVGA's sort of next generation cooler technology. I think they launched it with the, just the 1080 to the 1080 a couple yeah. months ago. Yeah, because Ryan did a separate that, a separate uh, piece on that. Is this, is this one of the ones that has the extra temp sensors and all on it? Also. Yeah, it's got like nine thermistors yep. integrated into the board. Yep, it's got a bunch points. of temperature sensors, and I think they did they split the heatsink on this one as well. Uh, I thought maybe I'm not entirely sure. No, I don't think so. Oh, there was one we were looking at where the heatsink was basically divided. Yeah, and so like one fan would run independent of the other fan. I'm not sure if that was this guy or not, but um, no, this one's just got a, a lot of blowholes on the back. Okay, well, uh, so plate as well. I'm trying to figure out which like, which at, which there's hardly any metal on the back. Which part of the label denoted all of the extra temperature sensing? Was it the, it's SC- the ICX? Oh, so it was just the ICX. Yeah, yes. SC2 is sort of the Super positioning clocks. in their stack. Yeah. There's the FTW3. Yeah, yeah. It will be above this that isn't out yet. So this is kind of the not flagship flagship 1080i, but it's sort of their custom design yeah. that's out right now. And then they pro- probably also just have a super clocked, just like SC, not with the two. Yeah, I don't know. It. I don't know for the 1080i. EVGA usually uh, yeah. has. Yeah. yeah, they usually have like there is one. three or four different SKUs for each, you know, for each version of a GPU, oh, yeah. typically. Um, so uh, I saw when Ryan was playing with the previous version of this card, and um, I really liked all of the additions that they did on uh, on their. Um, why can't I remember the name of their tool? What's the EVGA overclock tool? Uh, uh, XOC. Really? Yeah. Uh, oh, Jacob will be so mad. Uh, where is it? It used to be Precision X, didn't it? It's Precision Preci- X. Yeah, it's Precision XOC. It's Precision okay. XOC now. It used to be Precision X yep. and then some version number. 
Mm, but okay. like they re- they replaced the version number and the name with just XOC. Maybe I don't that's know. probably a bit better for brand. It still has versions, but it's just not part of the the like full title of the thing. But yeah. I liked the additions they did to that, where you can actually it shows you where the temperature sensors are on the PCB and like within the GUI of the interface, and you can look at all what all the different sensors are doing, and it gives you just yeah, more you granularity. Can add your own and program it too. Yeah, there's like just you know, extra bells and whistles, right? Um, so maybe not for everybody, but if you're if you're buying a 1080 Ti, it yeah. should probably be for you. Well, I, I mean, it's kind of safe to say. I mean, this does add. Oh no, you can buy one for me. <laughs> Fair. This does add um, some cost compared to the other models. Uh, on the last generation, on just the 1080, I think it was something like thirty or fifty bucks more for the card. Yeah, um, I think it's less of a delta here. Let me go ahead and check in the review. Uh, what the pricing is. I, don't, I don't think he really. It's just twenty dollars over reference right now. Okay. Ooh. That's not bad. I mean, yeah. that's that's good. It seems like kind of a no brainer for me. Uh, yeah. Okay, it's a little, it's out of stock, uh, and a well, little bit more expensive than Amazon right that's, now. That's the problem, yeah, because it just. But even at the out of stock price, it's fifty bucks more expensive, which is pretty reasonable for a custom card. Yeah. I mean, looks cool. Yeah, it's a nice looking card. It, it. Please note that is not metal. Even though it looks like metal, it looks that like is metal. plastic. It's high quality plastic, but don't buy this card thinking it's metal. I mean, that would know. be awesome. I only want it if it's pure chrome. <laughs> I mean, I would There's hope. There's no reason for it to be metal. It should not be metal. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be. kind of cool if it was metal. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of metal behind it in the form of actual heat sinks that are trying to remove heat. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. And let's go full on and sharpen those fan blades. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know what else is made out of metal? Uh oh. This oh, EK Supremacy. MX CPU water block that more reviewed. Oh, Man, well, that's, that's, there's acrylic on the top there. Yeah, but it still has metal in it. It's got metal. I, I, hope, it's got, I hope it's got metal <laughs> well, in it. Hey, Alan, it's, not, it's, it's a pure not plastic a water block. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a... Uh, so, I have some stories about the top that we'll get into later. Well, oh, wait a minute, later. wait a minute. Yeah, it's not acrylic at the very top. That looks like brushed aluminum, isn't it? Uh, well, okay, so what they did was they put a top plate on, a brushed aluminum top plate, and they, they screwed into the plastic or acrylic or whatever it is um, uh, top plate. And so they have a cover plate that's screwed into the top plate, and then you can see the holes around it. Um, they, they made holes around it so it doesn't impede the sealing of the fittings on there. Um, well, you can't see it because Ken's still showing the video record. Yeah, sorry, the my browser crashed. I'm trying to do some magic here. <laughs> Uh, that's fine. Um, yeah, so... We'll get back up to connections. Yeah. Sorry, Maury, keep going. No, that's fine. There there were some issues with this block. Uh, the, the biggest issue was with the top plate, as I was kind of hinting at before. Basically, because it's plastic, it's rather fragile. If it's... Um, if it's uh, even acrylic is fragile. Acrylic will crack. Uh, palm, um, the difference, you know, um, there's another, uh, what's it? There's another material called a settle or palm, P-O-M, not P-A-L-M, P-O-M. That, uh, it's more forgiving, um, and it's, um, it's got some give to it, so it doesn't crack as easily. The problem with plastic acrylic or uh, any non-metal top is that it's, it can crack and you can strip out the, uh, fitting holes in the top. 
with this, once Ken gets the um, browser pages back up, we can show this. But um, interview actually show I actually cracked the top. Um, I was I kind of uh, switch fittings out um, a couple times because I go back and forth when I'm testing, uh, especially when I'm testing a couple of water blocks. This one I was actually testing in conjunction with another one, uh, just running them all at the same time. So as I was switching the fittings between them, I, you know, as I want to do, I will tighten the fittings down and I happen to tighten it too much, end up cracking. I didn't know it cracked until it started leaking on the motherboard. Um, luckily, um, I caught it before it did any damage, but um, I basically had to switch out the uh, plastic top with the metal top. Um, the, what is it? The, the previous series was called just the Supremacy, uh, Supremacy Evo. Uh, without the MX, that top is a perfect fit on this block, and that actually increased the performance of the block pretty significantly. I mean, um, the block is one of the highest performing blocks I've seen come across my desk so far um, of the current batch I've been testing on the X99 platform. Um, so, you know, it, it is a decent block. One of the uh, nicer features is that it comes factory assembled from the Company from uh, from the manufacturer, so you buy an Intel block. It comes with a um, it comes with everything assembled. They can use on a uh, an LGA eleven five X or a uh, twenty eleven socket. Um, the one okay. So here's a picture. So um, so Ken, if you can go to page three of the review. Um, you kind of scroll to the bottom, uh, like mid midway down, you'll start seeing uh, pictures. You'll see a picture. There's a, a section called cracks in the top. It's about midway down. Uh, there's a picture with uh, actually got caught the pictures of cracks. Now keep going, keep going. No. There you go. Okay, so yeah, so these pictures here, I actually you can actually see the cracks. I mean, it cracked along uh, along both of the um, insert holes. Yeah, it it cracked. I mean, it cracked all the way through. So um, the the way that they built this in order to um, kind of reinforce it, it's not a solid piece of plastic. It's actually a uh, you know they have it's a pretty thick top plate of plastic, and they have ribbing uh, along the inside to uh, to give it strength. The problem is because it's so thin, and if you put enough pressure on it, it's going to crack. So you see, that's what happened there. Um, you know, it's uh, so if you scroll down a little bit more, you can actually see. I actually have some pictures of the uh, plastic versus a metal top. Um, you know, the the difference between them isn't that great. You can see the metal top; it's the same thing. It's it's a thin plate. Now, see how the uh, the metal top is is thin on top. That whole inner chamber there. Has the uh, plastic has a ribbing on the plastic one, so it's so the plastic one's actually a little thicker. The the bottom page that's why the plastic top is a little thicker than a metal one because it needs a little more room for that reinforced ribbing. Um, but you know once once we switch once I switched the metal top in, worked great. Uh, you know the only other downside of this cooler is that when you use it with an eleven uh, with a uh, you know a Cabby Lake or um, Skylake or any of the 11, 11 5X sockets, you actually have to remove the motherboard backplate um, and, and put their backplate in. It, it uh, does not have an overplate like a lot of them do. 
So you basically have to take the socket apart and hope you don't bend any pins in the process. Um, that was, you know, one of the, besides the top cracking ordeal, that was one of the bigger, uh, one of the bigger uh, negatives in my, in my opinion. Um, Ken, actually, if you go to, let me see here. If you go to page, go to page two. Sorry, I'm flipping you all around here. Um, and then scroll down to the, uh, to the Z170 board mount, uh, the last picture in that, you can actually see the backplate. Yeah, and that's actually showing the metal top on there. So see the backplate here? It's not. It's actually sitting on the surface of the board. I mean, you can see the uh, the three uh, the three mount holes on the inside. That's where it's actually screwing directly into, or the screws from the uh, socket on top, or the socket plate on top are actually screwing into the uh, hold-down plate. So... It is a little involved. It does give you a little more um, hold down force, but you know it's not a it's not something I like to do. I mean, I've had my fair share of so you're saying socket. So you're saying this backplate this backplate does not just do the the typical four holes that everybody would be used to. It does the three additional that actually are holding the the physical socket to the motherboard, like yes. those those reinforcement screws, right? So you have yes. to remove. So you have to remove those screws, remove whatever plate came from on the motherboard in the first place, and replace that entire plate with. So, I mean, you know, it, I guess it's added complexity, but yeah, I mean, it should reinforce a little bit more, like with one solid plate handling the, the socket and the the cooler on the other side of it at the same time. Yeah. 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 Um, on the uh, on the X-Sign 9, you didn't have to do anything like this, luckily. Um, that one, the... the uh, the screws or the hold downs screw directly into this uh, into the socket plate, so that's that was nice. Um, but it really, it's it's a nice block. I mean, uh, if you go, uh, I'm going to make you shift pages one more time, Ken. If you go to page five, the uh, comparison testing page, um, you can actually you can actually see the numbers. Um, So, you know, the stock numbers aren't as impressive. You know, it's basically the stock numbers, uh, they're about the same across the board for everything. Um, it's really the overclocking numbers that, that you really start to see the the, uh, the, the performance of the block. Um, so scroll down to the next chart, Ken. It's overclocking. Um, so there you can see, I mean, across the board, you know, the uh, the max core, the max core average, and even the uh, all core average is, you know, two to three degrees lower than any of the other competitors. It's, you know, it was quite a cooler. Um, a lot of that, uh, you know, I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't get solid numbers before I cracked the acrylic top. So I wasn't able to get those numbers. These are all with the metal top, unfortunately. Um, I did, I did, uh, you know, I did do testing in both configurations, though, so you can, you can uh, have that can, kind of comparison, where it's um, either uh, parallel or uh, or perpendicular to the uh, memory, basically, um, or the, the port, uh, the port plane. Um, so, but it, you know, with with the metal top, it it performs very well. I, I mean, if you added the acrylic top, it would probably you know, may decrease performance probably, I mean, I wouldn't think more than, you know, uh, four or five C. I mean, it's significant, but not very,
very significant. This is a this is a really good cooler. Um, so you know, price wise, it's it runs about uh, what was that? It was about I think it was about six fifty fifty five dollars. I think fifty five to sixty dollars off of Amazon or performance PCs. Um, the metal top that I had to replace it with was another sixteen or seventeen. Um, so it's, it's not, it's not a bad little cooler. Um, the one, you know, as, as I was saying, it comes, it comes factory configured, uh, for the, uh, for, you know, for whatever sockets you can buy an AMD version or the Intel version, you can switch the plates out, but in order to switch the plates out, like if you want, if you have the Intel version, you want to go to AMD, you have to take, basically take the, uh, the cooler apart and replace the, uh, replace the mount plate. The mount plate is, is physically embedded in the, um, you know, in the cooler itself. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's a nice little cooler. So, all right. Um, yep. So, and it, it got a silver, you know, cause of its performance. So in a water cooling related tangent, I've been thinking about this lately. I think I'm going to put it out into the universe. I haven't told Ryan about this yet. Uh Oh, I've never done a custom loop. Okay. That seems like something I should check off the list, right? Sure. For, for my nerd cred and working here. We got all the stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you got to print it out, though. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I challenge you to 3D print all of the connectors for a custom water cooling loop. No, no, no. Because, you know, 3D printed parts are absolutely oh, come on. The tolerances watertight, are fine right? enough you could do a screw, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't just print the 3D connectors. 3D print the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, the I want 3D printed yeah. lines. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, everything. Yeah. Screw that acrylic bending with all the heat and the, all the stuff I you got to do. You can print PET G. Well, that's that's what that's what that is. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> and that's, that's true. what that is. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm going to put this out in the universe and I don't know comment if you think it'd be a cool thing to sort of have like a beginner's guide cuz like I've never even really cared that much about it like i know sort of the basics but i don't i wouldn't really know say where to begin in buying <laughs> these components and sorting these components technoscope says you should water cool optane sure someone sold an ssd 750 block that might fit that's true <laughs> it might all right any <sighs> zip ties can yeah. zip ties speaking of zip ties work real well But uh, speaking of a, a product with the name Optane that, I don't know, may have come onto the market a little bit too late, but then again, you need a cabbie core to run it. What what do we think about this this boost? The 16 or the 32 gig boost? The bo- don't call it a... It's not his name. What are you, just making up Optane names? Optane Memory is no, also a bad name. It's and a, for a completely opposite Optane reason. Memory is... It, it's a hard drive boost. It, it will boost your hard drive. It's a hard drive cache. Performance level. You just you just don't want to say cache. <laughs> well, yeah, tonight it's cache. Oh wow! Holy crap! How how did they? Well, have... I, there's a bunch of Londoners over there that are doing cache. It's like <laughs> I, I love the idea of this, and it's cheap. Like a forty four dollar upgrade is not a bad thing if you blew all your money on a Cabby Lake and a new motherboard yeah. and DDR that but how have you spent that much money and you're still using an old hard drive 
Okay, so you um, don't need to spend a lot of money to have a cabby lake system. You have to spend a lot of money to have a seventy seven hundred K system. So hold on, hold on. We haven't like made okay, clear what enough, the heck we're talking about to the people listening on the podcast. Eh. Okay. I so, threw the link up. So <laughs> the audio people can the, catch up. The people audio people on the podcast don't just get the link. Like it doesn't come up. Yeah, but how many times have we talked about this Optane accelerator? Okay, they know okay. what's coming. So Optane memory, which is the System accelerator thing that we talked about on like leaked uh, roadmap slides months back from you know Intel's crosspoint stuff. Um, it's out. Uh, it's a thing that we have here. We actually tested it here, not remotely. Ooh. Yeah, we sent a system like a OEM-ish style system build, uh, mm-hmm. kind that you would expect to have this product installed in it. it kind of made a lot of sense with what they chose for hardware for the build. Yeah, it was a like a. Low lower end Asus B two fifty board with a yeah. i five seventy five hundred yep and a seventy two hundred RPM hard drive yep Western Digital Black like one terabyte hard drive um actually might even be a higher end hard drive than you would get in a OEM build like it's been a while since I've cracked open a modern OEM machine but I'd imagine they're putting fifty four hundred RPMs in there they just could for very well be reliability reasons yeah so um. So anyway, uh, we had it here. It came with like Optane enabled and everything, which made it, uh, you know, pretty quick system. But we wanted to make sure that we were checking the back and forth. And as far as like, you know, how how fast is it if it came with just the hard drive? How fast is it if it had Optane memory enabled? Uh, how fast would the system be if you were to, say, do crazier things? Like if you had a SATA SSD and you decided that wasn't fast enough, would Optane memory accelerate that noticeably faster or not right um and then after all of those uh how does that compare with um just your standard like 960 evo uh you know among the fastest nvme uh flash based uh, m.2 ssds right so we did a bunch of stopwatch timing of things um there were many installs uninstalls back and forth uh, many repeated runs to make sure that the time actually made sense and was repeatable and all the stuff. So long story short, uh, if you have a hard disk based system and you install Optane memory, it will bring the speeds in line with SATA SSD speeds, basically, um, for the majority of things. Uh, and I pushed it as far as doing some crazy things, even to the point of um, Ashes of Singularity, and that install was like, what was the install size on... Wait, Doom is like... Doom's like 70 gigs at yeah. this point. Yeah, Doom's like 70 gig. Ashes oh, God, is yeah. Ashes is not quite that large, but Ashes has a notably horrendous loading process. Like, when you go to launch that game, if it's on a hard disk, it is painful. Um, It's more painful than booting a hard disk versus an SSD, like, as far as differences in speed go. Um, so... Launching Ashes, so as an example, launching Ashes Escalation, so there's Ashes of the Singularity Escalation, is the game, uh, takes 75 seconds on a hard drive. So you just, you launch the game and you're just sitting there for 75 seconds. Um, Which is, you know, pretty annoying, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't like waiting for 75 seconds for anything. Yeah, exactly. Um, If you scroll down, is your thing working, Ken? Parent. Oh, no, there we go. Yeah, there we go. 
So once you've got it enabled... Like oh, you, the enablement process. Yeah, so I caught that screen popping up like one time during our, our reboot after having just enabled it. You don't usually see the screen, but I just it, thought it was interesting. Um, since this, you know, it's tightly integrated with the chipset, so sometimes the chipset has to do some work during post um, before you go into Windows. Sure. Anyhow, so if you scroll down one more chart, you get to the all the, all the timed test results there. Um, so Ashes was 75 seconds on a hard disk. Uh, enabling Optane brought you down to 18 and a half seconds. Compared with a SATA SSD, got you 17 and a half. So we're only a second slower than a full set, you know, SSD with nothing but flash, all solid state, right? Uh, pretty noticeable difference. Um, now, if you want to go a little crazier and you accelerate the SATA SSD with Optane, it brings you down to 12 and a half. And then the NVMe SSD, like a 960 Evo, went 11 or 10 and a half. So, so I'm sorry if I missed it, but did you go through like the steps you did? Like, did you just install Ashes? And no, I did all. Ashes? I did all sorts of stuff here. Um, L- but like, how much stuff did you do in a sequence, and then see what to try was to roll the cache accelerated? Off? Yeah. So I actually did even more than I noted in the article after I posted the article, and still had a hard time rolling off the cache. But the example in the article is, I, and this is after we already had like Doom was already installed, Ashes was already installed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other things, you know, Steam was on the system, of course. That's how the other games got on there. Um, Office was already installed on the machine, right? Uh, so I was just trying to mimic, like, what's your typical person that's actually going to use the system? With, like, what are they going to do, right? Um, but to go a little bit crazier towards the end of trying to do the situation where the where what we call roll off the cache. In other words, you've done so many other things that it's trying to cache new activities that you're doing, and then potentially some of the information falls off of the cache. Because, you know, to make room for the other stuff you're doing, and then you go to reboot your system, and suddenly it's going hard drive speed again. Which is actually what we saw when we tried to use, like, Intel SRT, their smart response technology, which was the old version of their caching tech, which used a SATA SSD to cache a hard drive, right? This is, like, eight years ago or something on, uh, I think, a Z97? No, it was a Z68. Uh... D97 is only three, two oh, yeah, generations yeah, yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, it was Z68. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, we had situations back then where stuff would roll off the cache if you were, you didn't have to even try that very, that hard. Um, presumably, Optane could be much smarter and cache much smaller sections of random data that's being read because you don't have to worry about, you know, 4K blocks or pages or any of that stuff. Um, what you would have on like a like a NAND SSD. So, I in one session, uh, you know, I, I played a couple of games during that session, and then downloaded uh, VMware to the system, installed mm-hmm. it from the drive, downloaded the Windows 10 ISO from Microsoft, installed that within a VMware session that I had just created, mm-hmm. and then booted that a couple of times. That, yeah. by the way, was booting as fast as the system itself booted. Like the regular system would boot, right? So you're talking like less than 10 seconds to boot into the VM. And this is running on a hard disk system just with Optane laid on top of it, right? Um, normally those boots would have been like a minute. Like within a VM on a hard disk. Like that would have been painful, usually, yeah. right? Um, so did all that stuff. And then, uh, then rebooted. Mm-hmm. Now the boot was super slow. 
No, it was still like nine or ten seconds or so. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it wasn't as fast as it like as it was. You know, if it's just a if you just rebooted the system and did only a couple of things and then rebooted again, like that would be like in this on the order of like six seconds, something like that. Um, the system actually booted. And I, I love your new benchmark. Which which uninstall one? Office three sixty five. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I had to do it for. Because I had to like, you know, I had to te- time how long it took to install it. So presumably I was doing a bunch of in- uninstalls of Office. And I just was curious, like, how long does it take on a hard drive, right? So um, in a lot of those cases where you, where you see, um, you know, like, a grouping that kind of doesn't scale with the storage changes that are taking place, basically all you're looking at is how much, like, processing time is taken for that thing to Not happen. Not disk-limited Not disk-limited time, right? So, like... Basically, to uninstall Office 365, like, it took about 19 seconds worth of, like, processing time. Like, the fastest storage thing in the system still took 19 seconds. So it's not like it was just hitting the disk. Yeah, most of it was talking up to Microsoft. It's over your network. That's what most of the way of that one is. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So just, um, I mean, just simple things like launching Word, right? Like, boot into Windows, let everything settle out which actually is kind of giving the hard disk system a little bit of a, of a favor since usually people will boot as soon as they see the desktop on Windows, they'll try to start doing stuff. And really the hard drive's still crunching away for like another 30 seconds to a minute, right? Um, well, even letting everything settle out, took like eight and a half seconds to launch Word. Install Optane, one and a half seconds. Like, that's crazy, right? Um, you know, the, the boot time was like 47 seconds down to six Booting from a SATA SSD was 10. So people with a SATA SSD think you're all like, oh, I don't care about Optane. Well, if we put Optane in the SATA SSD system, it dropped the boot time down to five seconds. So it actually made it even faster. Faster than an, uh, an eight, eight, uh, 960 Evo in a system, actually, by a second. So now I'm not going to say like go run out and like you have to have Optane if you have a SATA SSD because really the boot was like the major thing that's on advantage. Everything else was mostly a wash. Um, but installing Windows 10 in that VM <laughs> took. Hold on, I, my my chart thing is in one two three four five six seven. Yeah, it took basically it took like ten minutes to install Windows within the VM on a hard disk system. It took like five and a half minutes. To yeah. do it with Optane enabled. And oh. it actually takes like the same five and a half minutes almost like regardless of what solid state type of memory you're using. So it's like all of that time, that was five minutes worth of the system waiting on the hard disk to seek is basically what the thing was. And you eliminate all that with Optane, right? So um, we went into crazy detail on the rest of the review. I did all sorts of in-depth performance stuff. I even did like enterprise level stuff. Um because just so happens the latencies on uh, the 32 gig Optane memory part are actually almost a microsecond faster than that P4800X I was talking about. Because there's less of a controller in the way. Yeah. And there's only two dies, right? Um, I did I did do client performance. Uh, we ran our typical, our, like, our new client testing suite on it, which does the burst accesses and whatnot and tries to better emulate like an actual person using a using a system and if you look at uh i would just go to the top chart there that gives you the pretty pretty good spread um first start with your hard disk which scores 136 which is 
abysmally low on this particular thing. Um, SATA SSD runs scores like fifteen thousand in this random access test. It's basically like the like the typical IOPS you would see. So around fifteen thousand IOPS. Um, Nine sixty Evo scores around nineteen thousand IOPS. The hard drive plus Optane scores forty two thousand IOPS, and the SSDs plus Optane scores fifty one thousand. And then if you go really crazy and you were just going to try to install, say, I don't know, a Linux distro on like just the 32 gig Optane SSD, which you can do because it shows up as a regular SSD. Windows XP64. Yeah, XP64 or something. You want to put that on there. Uh, the score jumps. <laughs> this is from the hard disk score of 136 <laughs> goes for, to the Optane 32 gig solo product. Uh, 104,000. Uh, kind of jumps you up a little bit. And then I went really crazy if, say, you needed 64 gig instead of 32 gig. I put two of them in a RAID. The score actually drops because of overhead from the RAID controller. <laughs> and this is the chipset RAID controller, which is notorious for being amazing at scaling. Uh, actually has a hard time with the latency because it adds a little bit of latency. But when you're adding a little bit of latency, uh, a little bit is not much smaller than 9 microseconds, which is the access time of this thing. So... um. We didn't test the 16 gig version, but that supposedly uh, has a rating of seven microseconds. Hmm. Yeah, another couple. Like you're talking like another 20 percent reduction on something that's already insanely uh, fast responding. Pretty crazy. Um, and so to clear up some of the stuff about Optane compatibility, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. It will. It, if you plug an Optane memory. That's a stupid name still. If you plug Optane memory into a regular PCIe M.2 slot, uh-huh. it will enumerate as a storage device, yeah. correct? shows up just like a 32-gig SSD. Yeah. But to use the Optane caching software, you uh-huh. have to be on a... 7th uh, generation. Abbey Lake Core. I bet well, it would work on a Pentium. So here's the thing. Yeah. I, this is the tech sheets I've seen. It's all been Core i3s, no, i5s. I know, I know, yeah, I know. That's because they just want to forget about Pentium and shove they it in want, the corner somewhere. There's one well, guy that's enough, really into the Pentium brand, and he keeps them going with decent products every I mean, once in a while. So, so here's the I thing. I haven't seen a benchmark using a Pentium yet, though. Well, do we have a... Yeah, we have one. We again, have how one? many yeah. reviewers have a Pentium? Okay. Give it a shot. Tomorrow, I'll plug one into that machine and see if Optane memory It'd be a good thing to clear up. We're pretty sure... That it's the motherboard is the real limitation. So if you have like a, you know... And, and actually, it's not, or, only, it's not only 7th gen. Skylake processors will work as well. Per their own... Yeah, because they were showing it off with the 6700K. That was a typo. Okay. It was a typo on their slide. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that did add to extra confusion. Yes. Yeah. Even though it probably will work with a 6700K. Because mm-hmm. what it's doing is all it's using is the storage controller part of the chipset on the motherboard, not necessarily dependent on, you know, Cabby Lake specifically as a CPU to, to accomplish anything, right? Yeah. Um, you know, same thing is like, you know, certain versions of Intel rapid storage technology. Basically, it's your RAID firmware that's on the, uh, on the motherboard, and right? Intel... Smart response technology, the SS, the regular SSD caching solution, yes, only worked on Z series chipsets. And Optane caching works on B and H series as well. Yeah, it works on all of the what is it two fifty? Uh, well, what's no. the number? 
it, there's not a number. There's not a consistent number. All of the Cabby Lake chipsets. So okay. C270, B250. Uh, I don't remember what the H Series 1 is. So this is very confusing. Yeah, it is. It does add confusion to it. Um, they're probably going to... I mean, one market they're going to probably push this on is uh, laptop, uh, work laptops. I know it, at my job, uh, you know, the developers use Dell. Say, if you're a developer, you want uh, at least a terabyte, maybe two terabytes, because you're always pulling down the code base and stuff. Um, I mean, this solution, if the numbers... You know, if if it if it's as fast as the numbers are saying it is, this would be a uh, very viable solution for that kind of laptop without having to spend, you know, the eight hundred bucks on a two terabyte SSD. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we were looking at just we were looking at the Dell Precision workstations, like the uh, the Dell Professional equivalent of the XPS fifteen the other day, randomly and. For like a $1,400 configuration, it still has a terabyte hard drive in it and an empty M.2 slot. So, so actually, no, that, that buddy wall does make sense. Yeah, but there is if one. If you've got a workstation class, it's like RAID zeroed uh, hard drives. Next page. There's, that there's, would um, actually make a bit of sense. Well, two problems. One, uh, Optane Memory does not yet support overlaying on top of a RAID of hard disks. Ah, I did not realize that. Uh, we asked them that flat out in Folsom when we were at the meeting there, and they were, they were like, it, they want to do it, it's just, it's uh, not there a yet. Pity. Right? Um, number two, uh, Optane memory, idle power draw, is a little bit over a watt, compared to, like, two-thirds of a watt for something like a 960 Evo, as an example. Talking idle power draw. Um... So compare the blue is the Optane part, and then the red on that chart we're showing is the uh, 960. So you can see the low points it's hitting during that addle run that we did just as the test, just to put some load on the drive. Um, you know, that's one point to consider. So you have nearly double the idle power draw of the Optane part. Sure, but if you have a machine that has a hard drive in it, yeah, you already have substantially higher power draw from the storage than an ssd so the well, extra they're, they're half a the, watt won't matter as much no i mean hard disks don't don't draw a whole lot they draw more than an ssd though right not more than like a 960 evo well but that's not an equal yeah. comparison really oh sure because the because the ssd is going to get its stuff done more quickly and get and power down yeah much faster but you know the optane thing like it's on all the time though right it doesn't it's not really going to have like a sleep state so mm-hmm. to speak, yeah. um, you know, when you put True. the system asleep, sure, it'll go to sleep because it's non-volatile and it stores its stuff. It doesn't have to stay powered on. But, you know, it's it's drawing more power. There's more of like a, they call it a vampire load, right? A thing that just, you know, mm-hmm. always always sipping on the battery, right? Um, so one thing to note was Optane drew a little bit more. Now, again, we don't know what it does in a mobile form factor. If it's installed in a mobile system, maybe there's some other command the driver sends to it and it could spin it down. Who knows, right? Yeah. The other thing we saw when testing Again, on desktop. Uh, and we didn't know that it was doing this back when we were testing the P4800X and I was doing the polling thing. But the Optane memory driver, in every observation I made, uh, it's polling. So it's using a core. So it pegs. Or so in that example right there, I was doing a sequential read from a relatively small area, small enough to where it, the driver just wised up and went, hey, I should just put this in the Optane and read from that instead. Right. So it was giving me insane read speeds 
in, in the test I was running. Um, however, while it was doing that, it was pegging a core. And it was the, it was the si- Windows system that was pegging the core, not my test app. Huh. Meaning it was a driver level, uh, you know, driver level saturation of a core. So this has to be something they fix. Well, here's the thing. It's actually not. I mean, you using the system, it's never going to look like that. Right. The only way I could get it to look like that. I was drawing like something on the order of a gigabyte per second. Reading a file that was actually on the hard disk, but it was being cached. Right. Who's going to read anything that's at a gigabyte per second more than a split second? Right. So it only saturates the core while you're doing the read or while you're doing the thing that's hitting Optane. Whenever it's <clears throat> any other time, it's not. It doesn't saturate a core at all. So just something to consider. Um, that same exact I, test. I, just, I think the. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that uh, the, the next sort of tests we should do with this, or at least, and by that we, I mean you, uh, <laughs> is using this in appropriate situations. Like, will it work with mobile? Uh, will it work if you are s- sticking it on a, a Pentium class uh, Cabby Lake processor as opposed to what they're saying it's going to be? Because I, honestly, if, yeah, if, if it's going to boost an $80 processor, all of a sudden, yeah, the hard drive makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're building yeah. a machine for your mom or your sister, or your aunts, and that's, that's the thing. That's what this strikes me as like, first of all, that's kind that's of their what target I like market to see it in the first place. Well, for the target market right. is people buying OEMs. Yeah, systems. but I'm pulling yes. 260 some bucks on a, on a CPU. But no, you could no, buy for a mom and pop system. You're not blowing that, but you could buy an i3 7300. Yeah. It's not a yeah, fair enough. CPU. But yeah. That's like and, the upper level. Oh, and, right and there's yeah. and there's a lot of folks sure. since this article came out, like just looking at Reddit and whatnot. Like there's a lot of folks that'll come out there and oh, why don't you just use a SRT and an SSD? Well, you can. Like nobody says you well, can. Well, you only can on a Z series chip. But you all, but you only can on a Z series. <laughs> that's a stupid restriction. And, and that's that's now it's a stupid restriction. Fair before enough. before it was like, hey, if you want the caching, you have to get the top tier thing, sure. right? Um, Intelligent should probably relax that restriction at this point. I would imagine. Yeah, but. You know, you know but what? whatever. It's still an option. You can still yeah. do that, right? If you want, or you can, you know, the the other counter. A lot of people say is, oh, just SSDs are so cheap. Just do that. But the problem is, mom and pops don't want to manage a C drive, a D drive, an E drive, and an F drive, and however many other. You know, they want they don't want multiple drive layers. They just want to put the thing on their desktop, which is where they usually do, which goes to your C drive, right? They just want to like fill up the documents folder with all of the family pictures ever, right? Uh, and you know, that kind of thing is not an easy thing to do unless you just have a large disc. So if you can just easily put a cache over a large disc, which kind of like, you know, I, I wish that the, it didn't require such a new motherboard because this would make, you know, 44 bucks for the 16 gig version. It's like the perfect stocking stuffer. Yeah. Right? But your the motherboard has to have an M.2 slot anyways, which is only kind of now. Yeah, I agree. Make- I agree. But it's just like, you know. It's unfortunate, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. It, it's it's like uh, you it's know. It's an odd. It's a, it's kind of an odd product. It's odd timing. Like no one was really asking for this. It seems to do the job pretty well when it does do the job. Yeah. I think there's some more cool stuff we can do. I was just thinking about it. I'm. Uh, I have a laptop over there that I just finished reviewing. That will be up soon. 
that has a two and a half inch drive bay and an M.2 and is a Skylake system. Is so it, I wonder if we do we can, know if it's Optane? See, that's my other concern is I don't think we can just throw it in any mobile system. Like well, a, we can try. We could try, <laughs> but I think we need to. Like I don't think there's going to be proper firmware level support in the BIOS eh. for these things until they're actually shipping and stuff. Yeah, you know, eh. only one way to find out. Yeah, it's true. But uh, yeah, forty-four bucks for the sixteen gig, seventy-seven bucks for the thirty-two gig. That actually works out almost half the cost per gig of the enterprise part, <laughs> which is surprising considering you're paying for. You know, usually the price goes up in cost per gig of versus capacity as you get yeah. to the smaller device because you have to buy the device itself and then the amount of flash, you know, flash or whatever solid state or non volatile storage is on there, right? So the prices are pretty low for this, relatively. Uh, still, really expensive compared to you know, 120 gig or 250 An gig. SSD. Yeah, just like a 120 or 250 gig SSD. Um, you know, sometimes you can find those for prices on the order of this. I know I've seen 120 gig SSDs running around 60, 70 bucks on occasion. Yeah. Um, but again, it's is that enough for you to store your thing, your stuff, right? You could have, you know, you could have a uh, like a dang eight terabyte C drive in your system. Yeah. With this laid on top of it, download all of the Steam games. You know, they won't all fit in the cache at the same time, but. You know, it'll only run slow the first time you run it recently, right? And then, yeah. you know, if you... And, and that's another limitation is we couldn't figure out a way to get it to... If you have an SSD installed to, like, accelerate your Steam drive. Yeah. It wants to do the OS drive. Yeah, it's it's very... It's very it's like dumb. a lot of weird limitations that don't make a whole lot of sense. It's not that it's limitations, it's that they, they, it's not configurable. They made it as simple, as dead that's simple as possible. I know that's a limitation. <laughs> yeah. But like you can't, it would be nice if, you know, especially in the, in the rapid storage technology interface itself, because you can enable this in either way. You can install just the Optane like app driver thing, which is just has an enable disable button. And that's basically all there is to it. Or you can turn it on and off in the most recent version of the rapid storage technology driver. So you, you don't have to use the cheesy little Optane app. You can use the, the real one, which handles all your hard, hard drive stuff and, you know, SRT if you had it in your system and all the other things, right? Yeah. Um, I wish they would just make it so that you could just point whatever you want to use as the cache to like choose the thing you wanted to cache. Like that's kind of how SRT used to work. That'd be such a novel idea. Yeah, just like I want to accelerate this other thing with this thing. Um, you know, I think it makes the most sense to only cache your OS drive with this in particular because, I mean, heck, the boot time thing alone is like pretty amazing. Not that people are just sitting there booting their system all the time, but with this, you In might. In fact, I try to not boot my system as often as possible. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, I'm cutting you off. Okay. Yet again. Yeah. I tried. It didn't work very well, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We just got to see where this stuff goes as far as, like, you know, a couple months' time. Is it just in everybody's machine, or? I thought he got cut off. It'll go the same way as the Intel overclock, uh, cards you could buy at best buy ha yeah yeah it may oh well anyways how do you feel about water cooling your uh, gtx 1080 ti ken i mean this is closed loop you don't have that would be this one i think that would be against the the whole spirit of it but i think this would be way easier 
And I think the frequency is that. It's odd seeing the memory frequency in megahertz. What is this? Corsair (laughs) Hydro GFX GTX 1080 Ti. Yeah, it's just it's just a block. It's just a block for the G uh, for the GPU. Looks like. Yeah, yeah. They're still a fan with an eight fifty five. I mean, it's an eight fifty five radiator. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to go this route, you may as well just buy a, a a full cover block. I mean, you're not cooling the memory, you're not cooling the VRMs. They get hot too. No, the memory doesn't get as hot as it before, but you, know, you may as well just go the whole way. And well, I imagine the whole way is a bit more money because you have to. I mean, if if you aren't already water cooling your CPU with a closed loop, well, with a custom loop, then you have to have a pump and a radiator. And a reservoir just to cool your graphics card at that point. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you have something like an H80 on your CP on your CPU, this could be an interesting solution. Just kind of bolt in there. But like I said, it's, it's yeah. not going to it's not going to keep the the G. You're not going to get the most out of water, water cooling your GPU. But I think it's a cool solution. Uh, you'll, you'll get some. You'll get some. I mean, they probably have some kind of passive, uh, or I mean, heat sinks. Yeah, I mean. There's still a blower fan. There's still a blower fan on the card for all the other components, not just the GPU die. Mm-hmm. So, I imagine that spins pretty pretty slowly. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the point the the other point I was trying to make too is that you have to basically you have to take the card apart to put this thing on. So, if you're going to do that, uh, you may as well down the go the whole no. way. This is no. a. This is a. This is a product. This is a GTX 1080 Ti. comes. You buy. Oh, this it, is a okay. I didn't, I didn't the, see. I thought it, I thought it was one yeah, of those. It's not an add-on. Was, yeah. Okay. The, the, they, they partner with MSI to make these Hydra cards. I think they've done it for a couple of generations now. But their their solutions yeah, you can just buy and third throw generation. In. Yeah. So this is like the EVGA. So no. Thing. Yeah. 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 Exactly. No chance for you to crack it, Maury. <laughs> It isn't exactly the sexiest looking video card I've ever seen. Well, no. <laughs> well, that begs the question: What it, is the sexiest? Slightly video better than the reference. Damn, you called me out. Oh, I actually have that in reach. <laughs> I, I and I was going to bring this up later, but hey, you want a sexy video card? Nice. Recognize this nice. poor old bastard. It's a 4870? 4850? It is indeed, and this poor thing has been running for me for not quite 10 years. I mean, it was what, uh, 2007, 2008 these came out? But And when I mean it, it went from main gaming rig to always running SETI at home for the whole damn time, and it finally... It's not dead, but it's it's not stable. Those it's, were damn I, I really good cards. They, they're the ridiculously at the time, like, like yeah. And the better part of ten years at a hundred percent loads, twenty four seven. And the damn like thing finally to. decided to start getting unstable. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, it's MSI. God, I'm just blown away. But yeah, this it's it's finally going to be able to take a rest. I can have in a fact, vacuum funeral. Right apart, clean out some of the uh, dust, which you can see in the fan there. 
replace some of the heat pad and it might actually work again. But yeah, solid, solid card. And sexy. Dead sexy. What if you're not interested in buying a video card, Alan? What could you do? I mean, I'm always interested in buying a video card. Wow. Talking about for the water cooling? Oh, really not paying attention here. Sorry. Alan, what if your wife doesn't want you to buy a video card? Well, that my wife always doesn't want me to buy a video card. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, so we, we're running a contest. Like we, well, see, this doesn't apply. You can't like say, what if I didn't want to buy one? Because it doesn't apply to me. I was talking about I, the, the ge- in generalities, the general we, oh, if you will, oh, the royal we. The royal we. Yes. I see. I don't want to buy a video card. I can't <sighs> win this video card, but, but doesn't mean some I want to buy one. Some of our listeners could win an uh, 1078 gig or a 1050 Ti dual fan. Are they both OC cards? Yeah, they're both OC edition cards. So grand prize, 1070. Second prize, 1050 Ti, 4 gig. And then uh, the bigger one comes with Dawn of War 3. Smaller one comes with Everspace Early Access. Not bad. 6,122 total entries. Nine days left to go. Not bad for free. Not bad for free. Look at all those entries you can get. You can get so many entries. Yeah, lots of entries. Yeah, nine different ways to enter. They should. They and should if you happen to be from Quebec, it. have them ship it to me. I'll totally ship it on to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's an interesting limitation there. Uh-huh. I don't know if uh huh. It's a- because of the packaging. The the, the no. tongue troopers would get upset. There's not no. enough Francais on. I hate it when there's not enough French on my boxes. <laughs> That didn't come out. I <laughs> no, it, it didn't. <laughs> Anyways, please, please, please. It came out perfectly. Moving right along. Uh, Biostar. Mini ITX AM4 motherboards. All right. Mini. They have AM4. a 50-50 fun LED fun zone. Excuse me? <laughs> they have a 50-50 LED fun zone. Well, it says it right here. What does that middle. mean? Does that mean only half the LEDs light up? Uh, I think fifty fifty is like one of the names for those LED strips. Like I think oh, that's okay. one of the things. It's just the four pin header LED things. Yeah. Okay. But it's still not explaining so the fun zone. Uh, uh, I mean RGB LED lighting. That's, it probably has a light switch rave for that you. Sounds like the fun zone to it's me. Like an automatic, like uh, you know, cycle through all the colors. Hence the fun zone. They have. Biostar exclusive Vivid LED DJ with full RGB LED control. Okay. I think something's lost in translation. It's similar to the ECS uh, stuff. You know, some of those, some of the odd things comes out of ECS sometimes. Probably. Okay. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, okay. A lot of times. Yeah, most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. But. Mini ITX Ryzen. I'm all about that. Yeah. We're waiting to finally see some mini ITX products because you could build some really cool small form factor, like you got a very cool small form factor eight core encoding box or something like that. Exactly. Or if we want to do mobile streaming sort of thing, you no longer have to find that one weird X99 ITX board to get a lot of cores 
and a mobile machine. So hopefully we actually start to see some of these boards come out and have ITX options for Ryzen because that'd be pretty cool. What is this Windows 3.1? Sorry, Windows 3.11. The the one true Windows. The one true Windows the way it was supposed to be done. Is it for work groups? It it even emulates that little CRT (laughs) look to it. But but Windows three point one it, it, it one is literally that is so passe. It is for work groups. If only if only there was something new to it. Like maybe maybe ha. if it was in VR. <laughs> it has sounds. If only if only it supported. Uh, if only it was NT three five one the only true operating system. <laughs> well. Great, we're all getting flashbacks now. Yep. Ah, and the connection was dropped. You, it's actually, you screwed it up. You're going to have to dial them back. It's actually logging in. Oh, Alan forgot one of the uh, one of the keys in the um, in, in the uh, dial-up modem string. Hold on. Yeah. Do you remember Hold those on. guys? Can I actually uh, uninstall yep. Eudora within? This is going to be amazing. If this works. Hey, Alan, I have a little secret for my father. Are you going Kermit or Z modem? <laughs> I'm uninstalling Eudora <laughs> within Windows 3.1. <laughs> Uninstall Shield came up. Oh, man. Somebody really did their homework on this thing. Yeah, they did. Uh, and I believe Bob is still on that one as well. Oh, oh thank God. Ding. Ah, uh, the old Windows 3.1. Ding. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's a link on the desktop to Mame Pac-Man. Well, you know, how many layers deep are we going to go here? Uh, here This thing's emulating a VR. I don't know. Do you have to run it from a command prompt, or does it actually launch? I I think it should actually do this in VR when you get a chance, Alan. I think I think it would just be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That is actually the older DOS MAME prompt. Oh, this takes so long to boot. (laughs) (laughs) Is that Optane cache? Should should install an Optane in there. I think I need to do this on a faster system since the sound was having a hard time playing seamlessly. So it's driving this laptop a little crazy, so I'm going to exit out of that. I mean, this thing is like emulation uh, inception here. It actually fired up the Pac-Man machine. Oh, it will. It's, it's having a hard time. Yeah. Does it have missiles defense? I don't know. But the ghosts are taking forever to show up on the screen. So. Yeah, well, they will. So, yeah, if you've got WebVR and whether you know Windows 3.11 or not, you, you deserve to experience this. Yes, it's, you do. You deserve to experience it. It. If you think you hate Explorer now, just just wait. Just you wait. <laughs> just you. Ah, uh, I dig retro stuff. That's cool. <laughs> yep. All right. All right. Well, one more bit of news before we move on, because the, they did ask. FSP and FSP Group is 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 it's it's decent power. They've supplies. been around a I long mean, time. 
Yeah. They're not forever. I like they've never been top of the line, but they've certainly never been bottom of the line. They're always a nice mediocre to damn, that's actually underpriced and I really like it product. Well, they're moving into coolers. They're they're doing the Windale. So the Windale comes in two different models. One has four heat pipes and the other, the Windale six has you're never gonna guess. Six heat pipes. Both use 120 mil fans. Uh, and I mean, no one has them yet to really do a review on it, but the PR looks pretty good. Um, the fact that rating the four heat pipe at 180 watt TDP and 250 watt for the others is relatively impressive. Like that's more than just about any uh, CPU I can think of that you're going to want that much TDP for. So it's going to be interesting to see just how well these come out. Uh, as you can see, they've got the lights that they have to have nowadays and 120 mil fan on both of them. So it's going to be interesting to see these. I'm expecting that we'll see a review unit in, in the not too distant future. And I'd really like to see a Price. It would have been nice if you had included that. If anyone from FSP is watching, <laughs> we don't need a price in the press release. It's 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 kind of handy. A release date would also be nice. But hey, who it's am just, I to complain? It's just probably the standard. Hey, so Jeremy, but, yeah. probably figure it'll be fifty to seventy-five dollars. If it, if they're claiming a two forty-watt TDP on that, yeah. it's probably uh, a copper unit with um, aluminum. An aluminum body, aluminum radiator, uh, with copper heat pipes. You are and absolutely then, correct, yeah. sir. That's that's what it is. Yeah. 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 So uh, and the only rubber way, uh, grommets to attach sure. fans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it's basically a a, a uh, knockoff. Oh, knock Kyle off. bugged him. Apparently, it's forty-seven. Forty-seven bucks. Forty-seven low end one or the higher end one. Yeah, there was two different versions, right? Uh, was, well, it's. I mean, honestly, if even if they peg the lower version one at uh, forty, oh, oh wow. there you go, forty-seven for the higher end, thirty-three for the lower end. Oh wow, that's nice. what I was waiting for, because uh, that, that is decent. That is brilliant because I mean, if you're just introducing yourself to the cooler market, you you want people to buy it, and you want to offer it at a decent price. And two hundred forty watt TDP for under fifty bucks, I. I I hope you guys get one of these soon because I would like to see how it does. Because, I, as I say, FSP has been around for forever. They don't aim for the stupid high end stuff, but they never produce anything that's awful. This could be yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. All right. Our software picks of the week. Yay, we've made it. Well. <laughs> Almost. Uh, Jeremy, what the heck is this? Oh, it's Mech Warrior, sort of. Right? It's crashed Ken's browser. There we go. Yeah, well, that's okay. So you put so, an iPhone yeah. uh, in your pants. <laughs> you do indeed, <laughs> and you are the Oculus on your face because. The thing about VR is we still don't have a good mech game. And 
well, unless you go to uh, one of uh, FASA's events, and then, well, you've got a semi-decent VR game. <laughs> but it costs a lot of money, and you're not going to be able to bring it home. So a couple of people have been working on it. This guy uh, has been trying to figure out one of the main problems, which is if you move your head and you're not moving in the direction that you're facing when you got VR goggles on, you don't tend to be a happy human being. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. You I get it. So upset yourself. Ken, if you scroll down, there's, so a, I don't know if it's going to play. IPhone, but... Is it not going to work? So the iPhone sits uh, in your pants on the, your chair. And by twisting the chair around, that yeah. gives the directionality to the Mac, leaving your f- head free to be able to look around the cockpit without uh, tying it directly to the movement of the Mac. Yep. So, I mean, he's still working on the Mac game itself. The interface he's using to get the uh, accelerometer info from the iPhone, he's posted up to GitHub so you can play around with it yourself. It's It looks like a silly little thing, but I think it's a huge step. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're buying yourself one of these fancy chairs with a whole bunch of uh, sensors in it, and they're not cheap. You think hmm. the gaming chairs that Josh uses to drive his car around are cheap? Uh, well, let me tell you, it's it's one of those. Just I read that and I'm like, how in the hell has no one ever thought of it? Good on you for thinking of it. Yeah, it's true. So I'm Pretty looking cool. forward to this, and it's really going to help. I uh, because damn it, I want a VR mech game. <laughs> That I'll settle for a new awesome. mech game. <laughs> VR is how you have to get it. You'll you'll go for that. Alex, are you able to pull stuff up over there or no? Oh, okay. The laptop that was streaming the stuff to show on the video is uh took crashy, a big crash crash. Took a big uh, Windows Vista. Took a really big dump. Um. Whoa. Holy crap. Is that what I linked? You're still playing Factorio, are you? Oh. All right. So, uh, yeah, as uh, actually, I like Alex's nickname for this game, uh, which I hadn't heard until today. But uh, Cractorio. Actually, Factorio. This is that game that I, I made it a pick, like, I don't know, a few months back or something. Um because it was this crazy in-depth puzzle game thing, but they've been working on this like experimental update to it for months now, and this guy's been putting out a dev blog like every Friday, explaining all these new features that he's adding to this thing. So everybody's just kind of like been like, "Okay, let's see the dang thing already," and uh, came out. Well, it looks pretty amazing. Um, basically, it's just a sort of a real-time strategy puzzle automated factory kind of game um if you like puzzle kind of things or trying to figure out like you know i need this machine to make this part but then there's like three layers back worth of other stuff that has to make other parts to make the final part so you have to have like different assembly machines like all hooked up in a row and stuff it's kind of interesting concept of a game but they've really been torture testing this version which is a the experimental version is like 0.15 is the new one. Um, 
as soon as it came out, people were torture testing it, streaming like multiplayer games where there were like 200 plus people all on the map at the same time, all doing stuff. And it was still like it, it basically wasn't lagging the, the simulation at all. Like it was running 60 frames per second steady, which is just the simulation rate for this game. So, yeah, pretty cool. Um, I put a couple of links in the show notes for uh, pictures of um, actually that second link in the notes. I don't know if you have it up. Or Alex, are you just you're manually going to the links? Oh, okay. No wonder. Yeah. So I put a couple of links in the show notes that uh, go to one of the developers uh, post some like screenshots of his map he was using to do development on the game and do testing. And it's just an insane mash of stuff all just plugged into a map. But what Alex has got pulled up there on the stream is they added uh, nuclear power as a source of power for your factory in the game, which if you don't know about the game, you don't even know what that means or but it looks cool. They made glowy they made glowy uranium stuff. And then you can take the fuel that's the uranium that you would normally use for the reactor and you could take it and instead make weapons out of it. If you want to <laughs> and cause a whole crap load of damage on the map when you're trying to blow up the the uh NPCs that are like floating around trying to mess up your base. Anyway. It's a cool game. Uh but uh yeah, take the word of warning. Uh Alex doesn't call it Cractorio for, for for no reason. Because it's pretty addicting. Anyway. Pretty Ken, too. what piece of crack do you have this week? Uh, it's kind of crack. Uh, so, as you might know, the Raspberry Pi Foundation launched the Raspberry Pi Zero sometime last year. And it was a $5 single computer board that was essentially the soc from a raspberry pi one and uh two micro usb ports one for one you have to use for power the other you can use for io and a micro sd card slot for the os and a mini hdmi connector so in theory all you need for a full computer however it's kind of missing one big thing and that's networking Uh uh-huh you can get like a micro USB to OT, like an OTG adapter for smartphones. You can plug in a USB, either Wi-Fi adapter or an Ethernet adapter. But once how many, you add, how many layers once you are add you? on those adapters, <laughs> you're kind of nearing the $30 price of a Pi 3, which is significantly more powerful and has built-in networking. Okay. Well, they fixed this, they fixed this now, and they, had, they came out in, I think, late February with the Raspberry Pi Zero W, which is a great name. W for Wi-Fi? Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Well, it, it sounds like an anime. It does. Next week on Raspberry Pi Y0. So this is 10 bucks. Yes. So this is $10. And it adds, it's the same thing. It just adds uh, networking to it. What's with their pricing on their page? Because it, that looks a little confusing. It's like okay. one, well, one of them we're, is $10 we're get each. To okay. So one of the issues with the $5 Raspberry Pi Zero and the $10 Raspberry Pi Zero W is that they're out of stock everywhere. Oh. So if you go try to buy it from someone like Adafruit, we expect to buy these things and they list it. It's just they're absolutely impossible to find. So they're actually charging How, more if you want more than one. Settle. Settle down now. Oh, okay. However, the great thing is if you have a micro center in your area, uh-huh. micro center seems to always have these in stock. Right. And one of the ways they do that is that 
for quantity one, the Raspberry Pi Zero is $5 and the one with Wi-Fi is $10. But if you want to buy more, it drives up the price. Sure. So it essentially stops people from buying a bunch and selling them third party on the internet because uh, these are still difficult to buy things. Okay. So for $10, I walked in on Sunday and bought a Pi Zero W and uh, I put an OS on it and now it's running the video behind yeah, us. It's actually driving this which used to be the job of an old macbook pro we have sitting in a corner which is with a total, swollen, total with, overkill with a swollen his, battery uh, we took we just we got rid of the battery <laughs> because but, i was a fire hazard yeah. but this has been bothering me for a long time that we had a computer sitting in a corner doing this when it was something that could obviously be done by a raspberry pi now it's a fire hazard that's just sitting on the yeah market. i need to tack it up behind the tv instead of just having it it's, it's literally like sit on the like floor that there. big there's just like a ten dollar thing, yeah. Just doing that, yeah. But the the Pi Zero was difficult to find any use for without networking, which added a bunch of costs. But for ten bucks, I mean, you can do a whole lot with just this little, not very high compute, but this little ARM Linux box sitting wherever you want. Do you set it to like a static IP? Like, how do you? I mean, how do you get it going? Like, uh, so. You can edit a file like you. You flash image to an SD card. You can edit a file and have your your uh, Wi-Fi config settings in okay. there, okay. and then you can just kind of scan your network to figure out where yeah. it is. Just port scan your just, own, or, or just log into your router and see what device popped up on your Wi-Fi, so you can get the IP and SSH in. Gotcha. But yeah, or in my case, I hooked up to a monitor and I used a OTG adapter to hook up a keyboard, so I had a terminal, <laughs> and it worked pretty well. Ten dollar computer. Yeah. So Microsoner is is the key here. I think Fry's might do a similar thing where they have they, they usually have these, but I know at least Microcenter has these. How funny is it that you can actually have like I mean, I'm sure that would run like MAME and do some simple uh, yeah. simple games. Yeah. Not the crazy ones, but yeah. like the best part absolutely. about this is over the yeah. summer Microcenter was running a sale where the Raspberry Pi Zero was one dollar. <laughs> And they, they had it running for a couple of weeks, and I worked nearby. So if like I'd run in to get something like some filament, oh, let me just grab another Raspberry Pi. Yes, Zero. I would literally just grab one because it was a dollar. I'm like, well, someday. <laughs> and so I have a couple of those that I've never really used because no networking, but at least I found a useful. How's their enforcement on that? Could you buy like a light bulb and a Raspberry Pi Zero, and then walk back in five minutes later and buy like? I you mean, know, you probably could. I don't necessarily know if you want to push it or not, but like a thumb drive and a Raspberry Pi Zero, and then <laughs> yeah, huh? Well, and the nice thing, one of the nice things about Micro Center is they have very cheap generic micro SD cards, so you can get an eight gig micro SD card for like a few five dollars yeah. and fifty cents, I think. Yeah. So you walk out with both of them. You're fifteen bucks in. How big is have, the image that you put on that thing? Uh, four gig is the minimum size. Okay. So, yeah. Sweet. Wait, so the the smallest image is 4 gig? Yeah. It's, but it's a it's whole difficult. OS, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a full Debian OS. Yeah. It's difficult to find, like... Yeah. You, can, get, you can strip it down further, but, like... There the, are probably images you could put on it smaller mm-hmm. than 4 gig, but it's difficult to find a micro SD card under 4 gigs these days, so... Right. Like, you yeah. can't act... You, the smallest one you can buy at Micro Center is 8 gigs, because it's $5. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, so there's we'll sell you a four gig special order it for forty bucks. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah, exactly. Starts to get expensive to get the smallest, the smaller capacity. Yeah, so pick one of these up if you see them. 
there's a bunch of cool products projects you can do. They're just cool to have around. And when you want one, you'll want one. There you go. All right. Uh, Jeremy or Maury? Sorry, Maury. I'll make this. I'll make you this quick. That might run on this, the pie. No, I saw this game. Uh, it was reviewed on one of the gaming sites I follow on Twitter and such. Um, it's called Bayonetta. It looked like a really neat third-person FPS game. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of my uh, wheelhouse as far as gaming goes. So not third-person, but um, FPS is. Um, it seemed like it had good graphics, you know, good story. It got really good ratings. So, and it's cheap. I think it's like twenty dollars right now, and probably next Steam sale to go way below that. So, something to check out. Yeah, I've heard really good things about this PC port. And apparently, is pretty good. The game, the, uh, the game is. I, I've always heard good things about. I, was it originally on? What was it like originally on Wii or something like that? Three sixty maybe. Uh, PS4, I think. No, no, it wasn't PS4. It was PlayStation. Well, it might have been PS3. Bayonetta is a last generation game because Bayonetta two was on the Wii U because Nintendo made some weird deal. But I've, oh, I did they actually made a game for that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but Bay- Bayonetta is pretty cool from what I've heard. Yeah, well, you know, I don't play consoles, so I'm a little behind at times on those games and all. That's that's a good place to be with games sometimes. Because how much is this? I, I know you just said it, but it's twenty bucks. Twenty, 20 bucks. bucks. It's yeah. better than paying mm-hmm. sixty. <laughs> yeah, it turns out it's probably still a good game. Can't argue yeah. that. <laughs> that's true. All right, cool. Uh, I guess that about wraps it up. Um. PCPro.com slash podcast where you can find the show notes for this episode. If you're listening to it, then chances are the show notes are probably sitting there at the top of the page. Uh, Twitter.com slash Ryan Shrout. And oh, by the way, go see him tomorrow if you're today in London. Today. Now. No, maybe. yesterday. Probably now. Maybe go, now. Go see him now. No, yesterday. London. Just go. Just go drive around London. Yeah. Frantically and find Ryan. Um, Twitter.com slash PCPer as well. That's where we usually post up when we got reviews done. And that's about it. With that, I'm Alan Mamantano. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Maury Tattleman. And I'm Ken Addison. See you guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this content, consider supporting in-depth technical content by contributing at patreon.com slash pcper.